Welcome to I'd Print That. I'm Joe, and for those of you who pay attention, you'll notice that we had a little bit of a musical introduction this week. And I have to give a thanks to Victor Berggren of Switzerland. He reached out and said that he was interested in providing some uh, intro and outro music for us, and I think he did a really great job on the intro. As far as the outro goes, I guess you have to stay tuned to check that out, but it's just as awesome. Over the last week, I really didn't get any prints done or any maintenance performed, mostly because my print or my uh, computer decided to just die. My motherboard, which is around six, seven years old, finally decided to give out. It's an older uh, Intel i7 LGA 1366 socket, and it just quit on me. I've been having some issues with my USB ports, and I've been kind of barren through that, thinking that maybe it was a motherboard-related problem. And here, uh, Tuesday evening, uh, my computer froze up after playing some Dead by Daylight, and on a reboot, it gave me a, a blue screen and told me that the boot device is inaccessible, after doing some troubleshooting and trying to get things working again, uh, the machine won't even won't even post now. So I have an EVGA motherboard, and I just get uh, an error code FF on the board, which is what it comes up with when you first start it. I've tried clearing BIOS settings, doing all kinds of other things, and it just doesn't seem to work. So... I will be ordering a new motherboard, processor, RAM, power supply, and a heat sink, and uh, should hopefully get that up and running by the middle to the end of next week. So hopefully by next podcast I'll have a fully functional computer again, and we'll be back at dodging killers and printing files like I was normally. Besides that, just another reminder, this would be almost well actually this would be the last week that you could get the print of the month the cthulhu pendant uh for those who decide to go out to patreon and pledge five dollars we will send you one here next week i will go ahead and announce the new print of the week so for the those lucky people if they want that print of the month they can go ahead and pledge five bucks and receive it So over the last month, we have been going through printer issues and how to resolve them. This week, we're going to kind of continue along that same line and go over uh, understanding the tolerance of your 3D printer. Now, when I say tolerance, I don't necessarily mean like pieces fitting together, though that does equate into this. It's more of understanding the limitations of your printer. Knowing what the limitations of your printer are and how they influence the design and production of your 3D printed parts will go a long way towards producing products with the highest quality possible. Most users of FDM printers understand that the resolution of printed items are typically 100 microns or more. There are even some manufacturers claiming their printers can do resolutions of 50 microns. Resolution is just one criteria that is used to determine the quality and value of a 3D printer. Make Magazine holds an annual digital fabrication shootout each year to assess the quality of 3D printers at different price points. 
This testing criteria is useful for any 3D printer owner to determine what the tolerances are and the quality of their equipment. The tests they do check precision, accuracy, and finish to the machine's overall capability. When testing your 3D printer, there are nine factors that you need to consider. Those factors are dimensional accuracy, horizontal surface finish, vertical surface finish, overhangs, retraction performance, bridging, negative space tolerance, Z-wobble, and support material. Now I'll take a moment and we'll go over each one of these in, with some details and methods of remedying problems in order to come up with the highest quality models possible when you do your prints. We'll start with dimensional accuracy. Dimensional accuracy is being able to print an item with the same dimensions of the original part or design. It is often problematic with the part of the model that is next to the bed. Issues with bed heat may cause warping and in addition most slicers print the base layer with an extrusion rate greater than 100% in order to ensure that the part sticks properly. This practice can result in a wider initial layer and results in dimensions greater than expected. Many users attempt to fix this by utilizing a raft before printing the first layer of the actual print. You should also consider the implications of infill on the completed part. Choosing to use 100% infill may cause the material to overlap or extend the finished part past its desired dimensions when cooled. There can also be warping during cooling. Most experienced users will use an infill setting at 85% for a quality maximum infill. And finally, you should also be aware that the layer height set for the Z-axis has a direct correlation to dimensional accuracy on the Z-direction. One of the best methods to ensure dimensional accuracy is to print at a layer height of 100 microns and to set the perimeter speeds between 15 and 30 millimeters per second. Now let's go over a little on horizontal finish. Next to warping and stringing, surface finish is one of the things that is most noticed by the end user. Surface finish is often material specific, with PLA having a notoriously poor surface finish. One method to improve the horizontal surface finish is to lower the top and bottom layer extrusion speeds to within 15 to 30 millimeters per second. It may also help to increase the count of the top or bottom layers to 5 just to ensure a smooth finish. In addition, you can use post-processing to improve surface finishes. Materials such as ABS are easily sanded and sealed and a glossy finish may be produced through an acetone vapor smoothing process which we have mentioned in the past. Most 3D printed parts as uh, part of a finished product have gone through some sort of post-processing. The post-processing, like, you know, like we say, is to generally remove the visible layers of the print. It really has nothing else to do other than making the part look a little more professional uh, rather than just pulling it off a printer and kicking it out the door. In addition to horizontal surface finish, we have vertical surface finish. And the quality of vertical surface finishes are the direct result of layer height, nozzle diameter, and perimeter extrusion speeds. Increasing the number of perimeter layers generally does not affect the surface finish in the Z direction, but 
printer extrusion speeds and layer height should be adjusted for the best finish. You should take into account the type of source material that you're using when adjusting the extrusion speed and keep your layer heights between 100 and 200 microns. Additionally, post-processing will enhance the surface finish of a quality part or end product. Besides your horizontal vertical surface finishes, you have overhangs. Overhangs are the bane of designers and engineers when creating models for 3D printing. The general thought is to either position the part so there are no overhangs or to provide actual or 3D printed support material in the Z direction once printing begins. When 3D printing with overhangs, the best guidance is to remember the 45 degree rule. Most printers can print overhangs up to 45 degrees with little issues. And if you have your printer dialed in, you may even be able to print angles up to 70 degrees. Layer height reduction and a lower extrusion speed may assist in printing angles greater than 45 degrees as well. Another method of fixing the overhang issue is to design in camphers or fillets in the solid model. This will assist the printer in adjusting for the overhang gap. In the end, trial and error while adjusting layer height and extrusion speed will reveal the maximum overhang angle your printer will be able to successfully print at. Retraction performance is another thing you should look into. Stringing can be a post-processing nightmare. It is often more apparent when attempting to print one or more models simultaneously or when a model has large gaps or negative space. Stringing is a direct result of retraction length and speed settings for a particular print. This is something that we just covered here a few weeks ago. You can also check out an online reference guide just by googling retraction just say no to oozing. Now let's cover bridging. Bridges are printed flat sections that cross open spans in the middle. Printing bridges is something of an art. There are many enthusiasts who make videos of large distances that they were able to span on their printers. Using average print speeds, printing a span of 50 millimeters is common. Some printers can even do longer spans and the length of the span may also be dependent on the type of material used. When bridging, keep the extruder speed between 20 and 30 millimeters per second. Remember that the faster the speed, the greater chances are for filament sags. Trial and error will be needed to find the optimal materials and speeds for your printer. Negative space is another thorn in the side of designers and engineers. This really comes into play when attempting to join prints or parts together into one assembly. Negative space dimensions are material specific and are affected by cooling and surface finish. Many of these issues may be resolved through design, but trial and error will be needed with your specific machine and will usually provide you with your best results. Z-wobble is a thing that we have talked about in the past and is entirely a mechanical issue. It is most likely caused by out-of-tolerance mechanical components and or improper machine calibration. It is prevalent with Cartesian-style printers especially those with dual Z-axis ball screws like a Perusa i3. Your cantilever stiffness also plays into the wobble phenomena as Cartesian printers have a lot of play in the print carriage itself. In order to take care of this issue, make sure that your machine is level and calibrated correctly. Some components do wear over time, so make sure that all screws, 
ball screws, bearings, and bearing rods are maintained, lubricated, and in good condition. If there has been some wear, you may want to replace those components. If you hear any grinding sounds or anything that you could attribute to friction, be sure to check the components and bed leveling process. Delta printers, on the other hand, have helped solve or at least reduce Z-Wobble issues. Z-Wobble is practically eliminated on a Delta printer due to less weight on the extruder housing because most Delta printers utilize the Bowden solution, which keeps the extruder motor off the carriage. This solution has improved many of the issues associated with the standard Cartesian style printer. And finally, there is support material. No matter if you're new to 3D printing or if you've been printing for a number of years, you'll understand the challenges of adding and utilizing support material. Older slicing software is notorious for printing support material that was almost impossible to remove. Today's controllers provide a support solution that is much easier to remove and often places air gaps between the actual part and the material forming the supports. You should utilize the 10% infill setting of line patterns at 2.5mm intervals when generating supports. You can also include a raft with the supports to ensure that the support material sticks to the print bed. An air gap of 0.3mm is normally the default, but you may want to adjust the setting on an as-needed basis. You should feel free to increase the infill settings and decrease the intervals should you need more support throughout the model. The goal of support is to provide enough material that all facets of the model may be printed, yet still be easily removed once the print is finished. Users with dual extruders can even use support material like hips or PVA in one of the two extruders while printing. To wrap things up, the quality of your 3D printed items hinge just as much on your understanding of your machine's tolerance and capabilities as it does print bed leveling, machine component leveling, machine calibration, and the design and positioning of the model that you are printing. I will post a link to some of the test print models, that way you can print those out to ensure that you know what your machine's capabilities are and what settings may need to be adjusted. It's always good to keep in mind that you need to be patient because it will take some time to get your printer dialed in fully. A printer that has been dialed in can be capable of producing truly amazing products that anyone can enjoy. And I, I can attest to this because I have printed some very fascinating things and they look amazing even without any type of post-processing. I'm still working on trying to get a picture of Pug with his Pug. And I will go ahead and post that when I get that. I have found somebody to actually help out a little bit with the social media side of things. I have been distracted by work and uh, it has been lagging. However, as of the release of this, our YouTube channel should be up to speed. Or at least it will be within a couple of days. So by next podcast, it will have a simultaneous release across... YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. That is pretty exciting. It has taken a few months to get up to date, but we are now to that point where those YouTube listeners out there will be able to do a full binge on 33, 34 episodes and not even be able to to have to wait 
more than the standard one week before they get a new episode. So moving on into some news, a company called Scandi and PMD are going to collaborate to bring professional quality 3D scanning uh, to Android phones. New Orleans-based company Scandi has been working towards making 3D scanning more accessible to the general public in its integrating with smartphones, tablets, and other platforms. In October 2015, the company launched a Kickstarter for the Scandi Sphere, a system that transformed panoramic pictures taken on a smartphone into 3D printable models. At this year's New York Tech Crunch, Scandi revealed that the new API for their 3D scanning and 360-degree panoramic capture platform, which has given users the ability to generate their own 3D content directly from their smartphone. The 3D printing company is now partnering with PDM Technologies, a leader in time-of-flight 3D sensors, to unveil Scandi Pro for the Android platform built with Scandi Core. With a consumer-grade smartphone and an attached PDM Technologies PicoFlex time-in-flight 3D sensor, Scandi Pro will enable Android users to create detailed 3D scans of objects in real time, offering the same level of quality as professional scanning equipment. According to Scandi, their Scandi Pro app is capable of capturing as small as 0.3 millimeters with a 0.25 meter bounding box, and 36 millimeters with a bounding box of 3 meters in size, while users can also utilize the app's on-device editing for quick cropping, resizing, and more. Android users interested in the new Scandi Pro platform can sign up to be a beta tester. A link will be posted on the I'd Print That blog. I have myself signed up for the beta, and I'm looking forward to getting it. I have not heard anything yet, though I expect to hopefully hear something within the next week. So moving on, people who worry about technology often easily overlook all the amazing faith in humanity restoring tasks humans can now carry out thanks to state-of-the-art tech. A Polish company in utero 3D has a mission to provide 3D printed bass relief images to blind parents-to-be who cannot otherwise see ultrasound images during a mother's pregnancy. Called Waiting Without Barriers, the program provides 3D printed ultrasounds to blind parents for only a materials cost of $1 or 1 euro. In Poland, parents receive the physical bas relief model, while parents overseas receive a 3D model file that is ready for printing. In Utero 3D, does not manipulate the ultrasound images in any way and is a true three-dimensional representation of the baby as it appears in a mother's womb, complete with spatial relation and real dimensions. This is absolutely amazing, and I believe this is probably one of the coolest things that I have seen 3D printing used for. I understand that it is, you know, we've covered many things in the past on how it's saved lives of toddlers and has helped with all kinds of other medical advances and medical procedures. But I, for one, like the uh, like how 3D printing is being used to help people with disabilities, especially in ways that are 
as amazing as this. Well, I don't have kids. Uh, I've known many people who have, and this would have just knocked their socks completely off. Most parents under understand that uh, being able to see the the ultrasound of your unborn child is one of the absolute coolest things in the world, and being able to see a 3D representation of that image just would make things better. It's no secret that I am a Star Wars fan. I generally mention it at least once a podcast. And tested editor Norm Chan and movie effect artist Sean Charlesworth recently worked together using Formlabs Form 2 3D printer to create a Star Wars lightsaber kit inspired by the dark side of the Force. The design files are available for download from Pinshape and will be linked from our blog. It is a sight to behold, and as I have built my own lightsaber, I can only imagine trying to make it look more realistic by adding uh, 3D printed components like they have in this kit. While obviously you couldn't stuff electronics into this, it is a great cutaway to show what a lightsaber could potentially look like on the inside. The last 3D printed thing that I want to cover deals with computers actually. If you're like me, then you love the flexibility of building your PC. Whatever your reason is for building a PC, Asus is now allowing you to use 3D printing to print the components that you need. Asus plans to provide CAD files to customers so they can use their 3D printer to print their very own motherboard components. Now, keep in mind that the printing is more for aesthetics reasons rather than anything else. The idea behind it is that customers will be able to create a personalized look for their motherboard or print other components in a particular color. You should be able to create customized fan mounts or GPU stabilizing brackets. And it's a, this is a cool feature and one that will probably catch on quickly as the world of 3D printing gets more and more popular by the minute. This was one reason why I decided to uh, get an Asus motherboard. I'm really looking at giving this a try and seeing what it's like and seeing if it's really worth the hype around it. I uh, know I saw this here a few months back and I've been kind of looking at it and with my motherboard failing, this allows me to give it a shot. Now, this could be good or bad, who knows? But uh, I do look forward to, to really creating a customized look for my PC. I've been big into to PC modding. Uh, my first modified PC I built in uh, about 2001. I got an aluminum lean lead case. I put a window in it and uh, uh, a big 120mm fan in the top of it and cold cathode black lighting and painted the fans in you know, UV reactive coloring and just really went all out with the machine. And this was at, at a time when you couldn't just buy moddable parts off the shelf. You know, cases didn't come with, with uh, fans or with windows and stuff built into them. This all had to be done by hand. And if you messed up, it could cost you a lot of money. 
Now it's easy to modify your your computer to meet your needs, though the premise is still the same. And by introducing 3D printing into this, it kind of brings it to that next level. It's going to allow me to to take those CAD files, design some nice, some pretty nice things, and see what I can do. And the last thing I want to cover this week is comic book related. Again, you know, I'm kind of an old school comic nerd, and it's not meant as a derogatory thing in any way. I've got boxes of comic books. While I honestly haven't purchased a comic in maybe 20 years, I'm still fond of comics. I do read them digitally at times, and you know, I get a chance to go into comic book stores and kind of see what's new. And I live vicariously through comics. Uh, through a buddy of mine, Justin, and kind of um, not up to date, but kind of stay in the quasi know. Well, I saw a thing where it's rumored that Image Comics is looking at moving their headquarters from their rather expensive Berkeley, California location to Portland, Oregon. Now, Image is a relatively small in numbers company, and much of the work that is being carried out is done by freelancers or uh, partner studios. But their impact on the U.S. comic industry is third to the big two. Now, the move to Portland is not only cheaper, but the city boasts an insane comic book lineup, from Dark Horse Comics to Oni Press to CBLDF, as well as a thriving comic creator community plenty of whom already work for Image Comics. Portland is also home to some great comic stores, conventions, and a whole load of other comic-related events. Now, this makes sense that they would want to move there. It really gets them closer to their freelancers, gets them closer to kind of one of the epicenters of comicdom. As always, if you like what we do, if you want to give us a hand, support us, please go out to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, give us a subscribe, a follow, and ask questions, tell your friends about it, have them sign up and listen. Uh, Anything that you can do to, to kind of get the word out there about the podcast would be helpful. And if you want to do something a little bit more, as I said earlier, go out to Patreon and sign up and give us a dollar a month or five dollars a month. It all goes to to help the podcast. It makes it that much better and helps us keep things moving along smoothly. Now, the five dollar donation, it gets you the print of the month, meaning that every month that you donate five bucks to us, or that you pledge $5 to us, we will take that and we will send you a print of the month. And this month's print of the month is a Cthulhu pendant printed in black PLA. Looks pretty nice. I know I haven't gotten pictures of it up on the uh, on social media yet, but I'm hoping by the end of tonight I will have that done. Uh, have somebody, like I said, who's going to be helping out with that and I'll have to and I'll be getting them familiar with that process here today. 
Again, a big thank you to Victor Berggren of Sweden. He did an awesome job on the music, and I really enjoy it. I hope everybody else enjoys it as much as I do. Uh, the outro music, while you say it was a first draft, I think it was great. I think you you hit it out of the park, and I just want to say thank you. And I want to say thank you to everybody else for listening and supporting uh, the podcast. It just makes me happy that people enjoy what we're trying to do here. Besides that, I think I've babbled enough for this week. I am Joe, and remember, if you can imagine it, you can print it.